Welcome to Girl at the Mic podcast, where inspiration and wisdom comes from the raw and imperfect places in our lives. Sometimes I'll speak directly to you and others you'll sit with me and a friend as we share our experiences and lessons. Listen to recognize yourself and draw hope for your journey. My hope is that these episodes leave you empowered to be unapologetically you in a world that has trained us all to be small. My name is Anne, and I thank you for choosing Girl at the Mic. So this episode has been one that's been wanting to come out for a long time, and this morning I just woke up and was like, just record. Just talk and record. I didn't want to think too hard about it. I didn't want to script it out too much because that's where my writer's block would come. So if it sounds a little bit ranty or long-winded, I apologize. That's just how it's meant to come out today, I suppose. So thank you so much for continuing to listen. I really appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope there are some nuggets for you. Thanks so much. Hi, Girl with the Mic here, and I've been thinking about this for a long time. Uh, I think it's going to finally come out. Um, Obviously, there's been a great resignation, a huge phenomenon that's been happening, Over the last two or three years, COVID really had us all reassess our priorities, um, really had work be able to be reshaped and how it plays a role in our life. And um, a lot of people are resigning from their long-term jobs or not so long-term, up to you. And being that I work in the career space, I know a lot of us were unhappy with the way that things were, but we were kind of at the mercy of the hamster wheel that was. And so once that paused, it gave a window for us to go, wait a minute, I'm snapping out of this. This isn't actually working out for me. And here's the things that I need, or here are the things that are more important to me than this. And personally, that happened for me a year ago. And Gosh, March has actually been a big month for me a couple of years in a row. So um, two Marches ago, I'm losing track of time. Oh my gosh. So two Marches ago was when I became Associate Dean. And at that point, I will be honest with you, I kind of knew this wasn't going to be a great fit because I knew that I really liked working with students and students liked working with me. This leadership opportunity came up. It wasn't necessarily my choice, um, but also it was kind of a lose-lose. I did end up taking on the role, but it felt like I was backed into a corner. I was either going to stunt my growth or take on this opportunity. I took the opportunity on, and as I anticipated, it was the thing that pulled me into more the political realms of higher ed as opposed to student-facing and into the really um, rewarding work that has to do with that. And so, um, you know, sometimes when you go into leadership, there's there's a lot of decisions that you feel like you can be ma- making. Um, and then once I got into there, I realized, oh, no one actually wants me to create change. They just wanted the optics of change as opposed to someone actively rocking the boat to do it. And it became very clear to me after a year in the role that um, they could really promote me and then tie my hands. So I was walking around looking like I was um, a progressive leader for the school while behind closed doors, I was really a sitting duck. And 
gosh, um, I was listening to Lily sing the other day and she just did a TED talk. Please look it up about, um, having a seat at the table isn't the goal. Like it should not be the goal because, uh, she walks us through her, her opportunity with late night. Now, um, way back then, just a few years ago, she talked about how she got the opportunity to be on late night. And as a woman, that's not seen. Like if you look at the Jimmy's, the, the James Corden, which is also a variation of Jim, like all these white dudes in suits are holding these late night spots and Lily saying a woman of color in her female power suits and her great sketches gets this opportunity to be on late night. And, um, she talks about how she was excited to get at the table because we were all told that that was the goal, right? I was told I finally got a seat at the table as associate dean. This is wonderful. And, um, then she describes, she goes, yeah, they had me on late night and then they didn't let me talk about the topics that really mattered. The global pandemic and they had her do random sketches. You know, um, she really thought she was really going to get to be the creative backing behind this. And then she realized all the other hands that had a say in her creativity or had a say in how she was going to run the show. Um, that then kind of silenced her voice anyways. And so she was like, yes, it's one thing to get a seat at the table, which was ultimately at first what the goal was. And then she goes, but what if that chair that you get at the table was broken? What if that chair was squeaky? You don't get to have a new chair. You know, you don't have the option to fix it. You know, these tables weren't built for us. And gosh, that was so striking because that is exactly how I felt. I got to this, these tables with all of these other colleagues that were higher up that were making pretty big decisions and um, just being on that Zoom call or just being at that table um, was enough for them. Was I being introduced at that table? No. Did the things that I have to share get acknowledged at that table? Absolutely not. Um, so I think everyone pat themselves on the back for having me at the table. However, um, the extent of that was just that. Like, oh, great. We've got a little bit more diversity. We've got other trains of thoughts, except for um, don't make us uncomfortable with your perspective, please, because you know a lot about what's happening at the university, but we we don't want to deal with that right now um, because the system has made it comfy for me to be here. And, um, and your presence reminds me how uncomfy it could be for me to be here. You know, like this accountability all of a sudden I wanted to walk in with. And slowly, I got tired. I mean, when I first started, I feel like I had a lot to say. I had a lot of my thoughts strung together really well and all of that. And after a while, you start showing up and you're like, mm, I'm tired. Or you just cut me off. Or you just gave me a face. Or you would rather I not say anything and I can feel that and I can tell. Or 
I was able to observe how differently I was being treated as an associate dean as opposed to the person that um, I was the successor to. So all of those things really resonated with what Lily said in that um, TED Talk. And um, she talked about building better tables that are constructed for all the voices that are there. And so I think the the huge part about imposter syndrome is that puts the up like the responsibility on me as an individual to speak up despite the circumstances or or really believe that I deserve to be there, but um it doesn't shine as much light on the systems that repeatedly tell me I'm not. You know, so I think the reframe for that is Despite what the system is communicating to you, despite the fact that everyone wants you out and you can feel that, um, that imposter syndrome isn't just a made-up thing in my head. And uh, Lily talked about that too. She put on her hot pink suits. She, you know, tried to advocate for the topics and then they really had her covering really superficial things. And the next morning, the things, the the show clips that got repeated or the show clips that got attention were just just the jimmies anyways so um that was the thing i think the the voices that resonated the voices that really got to speak up are still the same people even if i made it to the table and ultimately what ended up happening was um one of the dudes that didn't love what I was bringing, that didn't love the pushback that I was giving, pushback that was not being had prior to that, saw something on LinkedIn that he didn't like, and he went up the chain and told the boss, who then told my boss, who then told me, and that was when I ultimately was like, you know, if this wasn't the thing that got me out, he'd find something else. Because I knew this person was that determined, and that person was definitely that high up you know, just a text away from the president, basically. So that was, that was ultimately, um, what broke the camel's back. And, um, the hard part about it is when I was the token Asian American dean sitting at these tables, there was a responsibility that I felt like I carried as this, as, um, a female role model, for the college students that were seeing the fact that I was that high up or um, feeling like, oh my gosh, when's the last Asian American person been on a dean at the school? I do not know. Um, But I felt like I couldn't leave because I finally got there. That if I left, that meant nobody was representing these people. And so there's like this really heavy level of responsibility that ends up happening on your token Asian, your token Black person, your token Latina, Latino person, like all of the weight of the people behind you, um, the people who came before you, the people who you hope come after you, you, you kind of stay in that discomfort for everyone. And that was really my mindset. I wanted to stay because I worked so hard and it it finally happened that that I wanted it to be possible. 
what I wasn't then willing to give up and what COVID reminded me I wasn't willing to give up is my sanity, my self-worth, my, um, my ability to exist the way that I want to. And, um, the cycle of frustration I was experiencing, um, by the juxtaposition of you be the change. Here's the way things could be done better. However, um, you must break your back to do it because you need to achieve these goals without the financial personnel or any sort of support. And, um, and that was what I was doing. I was contorting everything. I poured my whole heart and all of my resources, um, energy wise, um, at the expense of my health to, to make this happen, to create change that the system didn't want me to actually successfully create. So I was just busy in this wheel of middle management, trying to, to make things happen against two different forces that were pushing up against it. Mind you, even bigger, a system that didn't even want me there in the first place. And, you know, that is impactful. That is important to talk about. And a year later, I feel like I finally can talk about it, um, even with he- with hesitancy, because the last time I spoke out, my life combusted for better, but not without pain, not without confusion, not without being butthurt for all that I poured in for things to end the way that they did. That was frustrating. Um, there's no bad blood there anymore, honestly, because this was ultimately the best decision for me. Um, so whatever happens on either end, I have so much peace. And, you know, one of the things that I said to my boss when I left was I was like, I have more belief in my own career, my journey, my story than the ability for this place to grow. And that's when I know if I can't believe in something or someone, there's no, I'm not doing it. There's, I am futuristic. I'm a hopeful person, not by trade. It was by training. But um, if I have no hope for you, why am I here? What am I doing? So um, ultimately, I knew that um, being free was was ultimately the choice. And I think that's exactly what happened to Lily. You know, she she either was caught in this hamster wheel being fed all of this information and being made to be something she's not being in the system. It's not as revolutionary as it wanted to look. My position was not as revolutionary as it wanted to look. Um, you, you tap out and for your own good, you know, I don't want to feel like really guilty about it. I do. But I want to completely own that part. And hearing Lily Singh's perspective of of that was very true. And if anyone has seen on Netflix, there's this show called The Chair. Sandra Oh is the actress there. Um, It depicts this professor in higher education and she becomes the chair of her department. And you watch all of those things at play, I really felt like it was close to home because that's ultimately what happened. And just to spoil it at the end, she ends up not being in that role again. And I had watched this after everything unfolded with me and I felt so connected to that. I felt so, um, 
I felt like it was such a strong depiction of my experience. And now I'm like, okay, if a big show like on Netflix is able to capture that, how many other people are experiencing similar things in their industries or in high ride altogether? There's so many layers there, especially for those of us who are trying to break barriers and the ceilings created for our success and who we are as leaders, what we are as leaders. I know there's a whole lot of information and articles around how Asian people are um, not typically chosen for leadership positions. And again, I stayed in an unhealthy role to defy those things at the expense of my health. And ultimately, maybe I'll reach that point later in my career. I don't want to touch any of that until I'm later into my career. I feel like I have much more potential. I feel like my family is coming first nowadays. That that's what I'm going to prioritize right now. So that's where I'm at. And when it comes to leaving long-time jobs and things like that, I left... um, you know, knowing who I was, knowing what I was good at, knowing what I brought to the table and frustrated and um, I left standing up for me. Now, I am new in a completely different job at a different school, a bigger school. And all of a sudden, I've like forgotten who I was or something. I'm shyer. I, this is me as the new girl all over again. And I feel imposter syndrome. I feel all of these different things that are uncharacteristic of the me that I built in my own role. Um, where did my confidence go? Where did my perspective go? Where did, you know, the, the gumption to be who I am, where did that go? And so um, I think that's something that also needs to be experienced with the great resignation or talked about is all of a sudden you're the new kid at a new place. You're reestablishing who you are again, individually from scratch with every single person you come across. Um, All the while I switched into, I didn't switch industries. I switched uh, departments of higher ed that I work in. And so um, if I were to go back to counseling right now, I feel like there would be confidence there. There would be a point of, oh, I know I'm good at this. Even when I was teaching and I went from school to school, um, you'd have to learn new systems. You'd have to learn how, you know, each teacher is expected to formulate lessons and things. But when it was time for me to be on, when it was time for me to speak, when it was time for me to teach, I knew that was going to happen and I was going to blow everybody away. And I do not have that ability or that confidence in this work. And it's been so massively humbling. I think that's been really healthy for me, but very, very disorienting for me. And so um, it's been a strange season, but a healthy point of growth. I am early 30s. I shouldn't feel too confident or too um, high, like done with my bell curve. And so this is a healthy space for me to start fresh and rebuild and and reestablish myself, pick up new skills and all of that. But I forgot what it was like to not be the best in the room. And gosh, is that a healthier place to be? 
it's just sucky. I don't remember what it was like to, to, um, to be sucky, I guess, and least experienced. Or even when I had the least experience, I had the natural giftings to teach and to counsel. And, um, I'm not really seeing those gifts shine right now, but I know that I'm in a season of receiving. I know that I'm in a season where, um, my existence isn't purely to give, and that is different than I've ever existed before. Um, unusual, and you know, maybe that's why I'm kind of losing myself a little bit. But um, clearly, I'm coming across points where I'm seeing the colors in my world up again. You know, I think a full year has passed, I'm learning the lessons I needed to learn, I'm overthinking about everything. I, I feel like I'm starting to show up again and it takes a long time to do that. It takes a long time after, after you've been, um, overworked, dried up, completely just re reshifted. You know, I was depleted. My tanks were empty and now it's taken a whole lot of, uh, investment time rebuilding a lot of voices, a lot of good information just for me to find my footing again. And here's where I'm at. So gosh, what a long-winded way to talk about a year ago. I felt so much more free. I felt happy because my leaving you know, spurred a lot of conversations with the university, but with me and the president and with me and the provost, when I felt like I wasn't heard for a full year before I left, it's unfortunate it happened that way, that before I left, I finally got people's attention and I finally was heard, but um, better late than never and better fix it without me having to be patient about it. I was like, you can't fix it with me. I'm already gone. But if you were curious, here's here's what went down. Here's what can be done better. And here's what I think. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where things are. And gosh, if you are the new person at a new job in a different industry or just a new job in general after being somewhere for a long time, I am with you. Oh my gosh, if you are feeling insecure about what you bring to the table or... Um, just tired of introducing yourself but not finding the words, all of those things, I am with you. You are not alone and we are going to do this. I feel like it's something we do over time and um, we get better and better at it the more times we have to rebuild ourselves. It's exhausting. It sucks to suck, but I know this isn't permanent. And so I just want to say I'm here with you. And if you are in a leadership position, you're feeling unheard and you're tired, really reassess how much you have to give to it right now. Because if your tenure there is short, it's still impactful. Somebody still saw you in that role. Don't do that at the expense of your wellness, though. There's no job. We learned this over COVID. There's no job worth it. And there's no system willing to be broken down like that. It takes one shift at a time. You know, the one that comes after me will crack it a little more. 
the one that comes after that person will crack it a little more. And we got to do that or else somebody is just going to, you know, break their own back cracking it. Um, and that's not healthy for them. We all want to do it together. Maybe all at once, maybe one at a time. I'm not sure. Um, there's no way of knowing, but I know 10 years from now, we'll get to retell it as a triumph story. Right now, it's our work in progress, and that's okay. Um, that's all I have for you today. This was a little bit ranty and completely unscripted, but it's really, it's where I'm at. And I thank you for listening. Thanks for joining in on this. Um, would love to talk to you more. If you'd like to message me, I am here. I appreciate the conversations that have come up in the last couple episodes. It's been a blast. So have a good rest of your day. Thanks for hearing me out. Thank you so much for tuning in to Girl With The Mic. I know there are so many podcasts that you could be listening to right now, so it's such an honor that you chose to hear me out. Now, if you're really enjoying any of these episodes or if you have a favorite or if there's a particular quote, please continue to interact with me on Instagram. I've really enjoyed your feedback on specific episodes and specific messages. Um, And in addition, if you can and you're feeling moved to do so, head over to Apple Podcasts and offer me a rating. Let me know what you think. Write me a review. No pressure there. But if you're feeling like, ah, how else can I support Anne? Those are a couple of ways I can think of. Thanks so much for tuning in. And again, thank you so much for your support.